I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! The Q's back at 500 in the conference, but it wasn't all sunshine and roses in the Carrier Dome on Saturday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky with you. On Locked On Syracuse, we've got a lot to get to today. We'll start with the Georgia Tech game. As, and as always, be sure to check out the show online at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. And if you want to listen to us on your smart speakers, just tell your smart speakers to play the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Before we get into anything Georgia Tech, though, Tim, I do want to hit on one quick thing that I saw on Twitter from over the weekend. And it is the passing of Eric Dungy's father, yeah. who lost his battle with cancer. Really sad stuff there. And, I mean, you could see the the type of man that he raised Eric to be, just a, a, a ruthless competitor. And just super sad to see that. I saw the, the post on Instagram. But at the end of the show, I want to kind of dedicate it to Eric Dungy because he gave us some great moments. So our, our thoughts and prayers with the Dungy family. I know this is a tough time for them right now. And so we'll, we'll just go over some of our favorite Eric Dungy moments from his four years at Syracuse. But first, let's get into this Georgia Tech game. Really, I have... And again, the, these games don't mean as much anymore now that <laughs> no. it it feels like the, the tournament is out of the grasp of the Syracuse team. But two main takeaways that I took away from this one are the play of Barama Sidibe and just what happened in the second half. How did everything flip? So I guess we'll start with Sidibe, who comes off one of his better games, six points to go along with ten boards. Did fall out, so we did hit our so over now. on four and a half in the prop shop. Oh, and we'll yeah. review all of our prop shop picks at some point too. First foul was eight minutes left in the. In I the know, game. and then yeah, we get we nuts. didn't just get the Sidibe special. We got like the Sidibe Deluxe. It and was rare form. <laughs> it was, I mean, yeah, that that's exactly how the Sidibe special works. But twenty five minutes gives gives you double digit rebounds, which was nice and refreshing. But just kind of, I mean, you heard Jim talk about it after the game too. I mean, this is what happens when Barama plays well. This is what he brings to the table. Yeah, I was at the game, and I went to the press conference afterwards, and, you know, Jim was very honest about Barama, and I will say, from Jim's perspective, this game couldn't have really gone much better in terms of his theory that they aren't tired, and his rant that he went on after Louisville, and he even trying alluded to, disprove. to it, yeah. Yep, he, he went back and took some solace in the fact that they played all five guys, and they kept all five guys out there because there was a limited foul trouble in the second half, at least, until City Bay somehow did what he always does and fouls out. I think that's six of the last seven now. But it was a good game from Bayheim's perspective, and he was very honest about Barama and said, this is what he can do, this is what he's been doing in practice, and honestly, it's, it's kind of a mystery to me as to why he's not doing it more. And he basically said, when he does that, we're a different team. And on one hand, it's like, oh, great, Barama. Like, you're going to do that type of stuff in one half and basically a quote-unquote NIT game when it's kind of all for none now because by all intents and purposes, this season's kind of lost now from a Syracuse basketball perspective. But it was still good to see him do that. And I do think, Barama, there's a certain level of – 
why isn't he translating it to the game? And that was maybe the first time we've heard Jim sort of say that publicly, like, look, I don't really know what it is, but he plays like that in practice. And maybe that gave me a little bit more optimism that he could tap into something next year. Right. And we'll see. I mean, I think the center position is what we're really going to be watching over the offseason and probably the most intriguing battle heading into the 2020 season. I will say this, if there's one negative to kind of take away from Brahma, it's the fact that once again, Syracuse and Matthew Gutierrez tweeted this out. They're making these bigs look like all Americans. Moses Wright on the other side had 33 points to go along with 10 rebounds and all while kind of battling foul trouble too. So it, it is kind of disheartening to see that continue to be a trend where these bigs just dominate down low. And again, that's not all Sadibe's fault, but he's the big man that played the most minutes. And you just need something more defensive. I mean, this is a, a Georgia Tech team that doesn't put up a ton of points. And you, it's kind of alarming when they get out to that big lead, that when they put up almost 40 on you in the first half. And I mean, Syracuse... They flip the switch in the second half, but you do want to see more of an interior presence defensively. But overall, yeah, I like what I saw out of Barama. And and we did see a number of players in this. So kind of getting back to the prop shop here, but the over that we set of seven and a half guys playing hits. I mean, we saw nine bodies. I know, yeah. The 11-minute mark in the first half. (laughs) And then he went back to to being Bayheim in the second half. But it did work in the second half, and that's – Honestly, I mean, they put up 52 points in the second half. They shot at 64%. That was against a pretty average to below average ACC team in Georgia Tech, but still good to see them come out with some fight because at the end of the first half, Tyler, it was stale in the Dome. And then all of a sudden, Joe Girard makes some plays out of the locker rooms, and it was just good to see that it was a pretty big crowd. That Talk about another prop shop over that. We were a little bit off on the crowd. Was a little bit. We were way 000. off. Yeah, and I don't know if there were actually twenty six thousand there, as we always say, but it was still a good crowd in a good environment. It got loud in there for all the circumstances. It was pretty impressive, given when they were coming back and giving the crowd something to cheer about. Before we put a, uh, before we move into the whole second half part of things, just to put a bow on this whole Brahma Sidibe thing. Just how, I just don't get how you channel this for the rest of the year, though. Because, I mean, this is a guy who this is this game is the outlier, not the not the norm. And again, the only norm that you got was the fact that he fouled out. So <laughs> yeah. I just don't see how you look at this moving forward. Like obviously, not to take anything away from him, but I need to see this three, four more times the rest of the year because. What what makes you think that he is going to do this again? That's just where I'm coming from, from this whole takeaway of this Barama Sidibe game. And it's not even like he did anything spectacular in this game. Jim even said that. He was like, you know, 10 rebounds, 6 points. Doesn't sound like a lot, but he did some other things. And it's just, that's what they need from him every single night if they want to He compete. doesn't have to be spectacular for them to win either. No, not at all. He just has Moses to Wright, be there. He, You bring him up, he has 33 points, and that's just a classic example to me of someone that it's like, A, he's not a good player. He's not that good of a player. He's an average ACC big man that, once again, Syracuse makes look like an all-ACC, all-American, whatever you want to call it. But B, it's not like he was some highly touted recruit that Syracuse couldn't get 
and he's an example of someone that we've been clamoring for from the fan base perspective of just a skilled big man that can make plays in the high post, that is athletic and can finish at the rim, is an aggressive finisher, confident finisher. It's not like they're asking, we're asking for, you know, another Rakeem Christmas in his senior year. I know we kind of are, but, and I think they should be able to get a Rakeem Christmas in his senior year, but Moses Wright is like still head and shoulders above what Sidibe brings offensively and even defensively, and he still is, you know, not that highly tied of a recruit. So it makes you think, like, why can't they get a guy like that year in and year out? All right, let's move into the second half changes. I mean, the ball just moved. I That, that was my main takeaway yep. from this. I mean, Syracuse was a team that, and listen, this is a team that all year long, we've talked about the importance of the three ball for them. They only shot the ball six times from deep in that second half. The ball moved. They got to the basket. They took their free throws. They made their free throws, too. It was just a, a whole different team out there in Dolge that second half. Dolzhai was great, too. Dolzhai was great. Out. But, I mean, you put up 52 points after laying an egg. I mean, this Georgia Tech, listen, the, yeah, yes, Syracuse was down 11 at the half, but I wasn't counting out Syracuse just because of who I saw on the other side of the floor. I mean, Georgia Tech, as much as we want to talk about Syracuse blowing some games, Georgia Tech blows games too, and a lot of times aren't even in games from the get-go as well. So I was never afraid because of what I saw on the other side, and I've seen Syracuse put up some big numbers offensively this season. So I was never counting this team out, but yeah, that ball just was flying around, and they, they just got easy buckets in that second half and really just picked apart the Georgia Tech defense. At the end of the day, that was just two extremely mediocre ACC basketball teams playing. Like, there's not much talent on either side. I don't think you can argue against that at this point. I, I will say it was maybe a little bit different Georgia Tech team this time around with Alvarado back. You add Usher, who's a transfer from USC. And they have some transfers on their team. They have some pieces. DeVoe was kind of quieted down the first time Syracuse played him. He was leading the conference in scoring. Now I'd say he's maybe an all-ACC third-teamer, if anything. But the bottom line is, at halftime, it was rock bottom in there. And there was really no reason for them to come out and give us anything to cheer about because it felt like an NIT game in the first half. It looked like an NIT team. And people in there, the media members I was talking to, we were starting to talk about, you know, this the storyline the rest of the way could be, is this going to be the year that Bayheim doesn't get to 500 or better? Is this going to be his first year yeah. of falling below 500? Obviously, 49 straight years, not in, I mean, even five-plus years since Bayheim's been there, of a winning season at Syracuse. That's an NCAA active record. We were thinking, okay, if you fall to 14 and 13, you know, yeah, you got some easy games left, but maybe you don't get there this year. Right. Well, it was just good to see them come out and kind of debunk that because now I think they'll be fine. Yeah, they I showed don't see fight. a world in where they aren't right. at least 500, yeah. They showed fight when, honestly, there was really no reason to fight, if that makes sense. There always yeah. is reason, and there's always reason to expect it from this team because they've been working hard from the jump, and this is a good group in terms of chemistry and fight and hunger and all Character. that. I've never I've never doubted that. 
But I would say this is one of the higher character Syracuse yeah, teams of the last five, seven years. There's not really anyone on this team that seems to be disliked or ostracized or takes bad shots or I will say, I mean, they never throw the ball to Sidibe offensively. Like it's almost like why even bring him out as a why even roll him on a pick and roll? Because a couple <laughs> of times I just watch him roll and I see Joe Girard with his head down. And I'm not saying it's a it's a negative on Girard. It's just Sidibe hasn't given them any reason to pass him the ball down low. But my larger theme here is that Syracuse showed fight, which was just good to see considering that's really all you can ask for at this point in the season. And, and getting to that Sidibe point too, it's not like Sidibe's clamoring for the ball. I, I think he kind of realizes yeah. what his limitations are and that he's much more suited as a get, get an offensive rebound and maybe put it back up type of player. Kind of like what, what Jim says about Gary too. But when you look at that second half too, and I think you kind of phrased it perfectly, like you just saw the lack of quit in this team. It just wasn't, this team, that's not been an option for them this year they're going to go out and bust their tails for all 40 minutes and for some players it is 40 minutes a night I mean Elijah Hughes played 40 minutes once again and and he was great too I mean talk about someone who is really just starting to to play some consistent basketball now and and start to peak at the right time it seems like Elijah Hughes 27 and 7 in this game and I know for him right now he's probably trying to play for draft stock and I think all these scouts they know what they are what he is as a scorer now now it's kind of all right what else can you show us in your game and the seven assists is something that scouts certainly want to see they want to see okay is this guy who's a six seven six eight guy can he facilitate an offense as well because that's what the NBA looks for yeah and I will say the number of scouts that have gone to Syracuse away in home games has gone up partially probably because maybe sometimes it's just a scout goes because they like someone on the other team as well, and it makes sense for them financially or whatever you want to call it. But I do think Hughes is an all-ACC first-teamer right now, and I think if he's on the all-ACC second team, that's kind of a snub at this point. Because I mean, he's leading the conference in scoring. He's it's, leading the conference in scoring. It's tough to do that and, you and could not say, make that first team. Right, you could say oh, he's just one of those Syracuse players that dominates the ball. That's not the case this year. He's not like, and I think Tyus Battle was great, so don't get me wrong when I say this, but I think the national perception might be, oh, like, let's check his efficiency. Let's check how much usage he gets, how many minutes he gets, and that's why he's leading the conference. Well, no, he's actually extremely efficient. At the free throw line, he's been a little bit slipping up lately, but he's a guy that is right around 35 36% from three, He's shooting it great from the floor overall. He's a good free throw shooter. And he's, as you said, distributing too. He's getting rebounds. He leads the team in assists per game as well. So he's not that typical Syracuse player. And I think that's why he actually might succeed at the pro level more than what we've seen in the past from guys like a Malachi Richardson or a Battle even. I know these guys are young, Battle especially, but... I feel like he has that prototypical NBA game and is a little bit different than what we've seen come out of the program recently. Right. He's not as good of a shot creator as I think Malachi was, but he still can get his own shot off. So, okay, just real quickly before we move on here, you bring up the free throws with Elijah Hughes. How about the free throws from Marek Dolajai? 12 yeah, for 12. That I mean, I this is a guy who, 
a season ago, I would say, okay, give me one of two. And, yeah. and now he goes 12 for 12. And honestly, he hurt his wrist in the offseason. Remember, he didn't play in Italy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's been public about how that kind of hurt his shot development this year. I think he would have liked to refine his shot, add more of a three-point shot to his game. That has not come to fruition probably because of that. And honestly, he prob- I see him in warm-ups and he makes threes. He probably could be a little bit less timid from downtown, but – it's good to see because I think his shot at times has struggled this year because of that injury partially, and now it seems like he's getting some of that confidence back. All right, when we come back, we'll go through some of our favorite Eric Dungy moments of all time. That's coming up next on Lockdown Syracuse. All right, time to close it out here, and it's with sad news, unfortunately. Eric Dungy lost his father, Tim, over the weekend to cancer, and Eric, he was playing with the Dallas Renegades in the XFL. He was granted that leave of absence to go attend to family matters, obviously this much bigger than football, but he loses his father, someone who it seemed like had a huge impact on his life, and you can kind of tell maybe molded the, the competitor that he was at Syracuse. So that being said, I know my favorite Eric Dungy moment of all time, and it's one that he actually accumulated zero stats on. It was a a fourth and one in the Clemson game when when Syracuse won in that upset win on Friday the 13th, and fourth and one, Dungy gets the snap, gives it off to Dante Strickland, and Strickland kind of gets stuffed right at the line. But Dungy goes in from behind him and just gives him this giant shove to push him over that first down marker, keep that drive moving. And Syracuse, if you remember, I mean, we talk all the time about how much Syracuse and their offense wants to move fast, fast, fast. They ate up 12 of the 15 minutes of clock in that fourth quarter. And that push right there on fourth down, a big reason why. And I think that embodied the the competitive spirit that Eric Dungy had. That he was such a competitor, and that's the word that comes to mind with him. And obviously, really tragic news over the weekend, and you just really feel for him, his entire family, and everything. When when sad news like that hits, it's hard even just as a member of the Syracuse community. But right. I think, for me, I have a couple moments. I'll cheat a little bit because one thing that I do want to bring up that maybe is overlooked is – do you remember the NC State game that they won to get to nationally ranked yes. that senior season? Oh, yeah. What was talked about all week and speculated on podcasts like this one and talk shows like in the Syracuse area was who should start because DeVito, the game before, it was UNC in that big comeback when Dungy was off his game against UNC. Right. And – you know, I'll be the first to say I believed in DeVito, and I wasn't really sure what what Dino Babers was going to do. And he kept it close to the vest, too. He kept it very close. And he goes to Dungy, and I just remember I was in the media section for that first NC State drive. And you have to think, all the pressure in the world. I mean, that's like the Friday Night Lights scenario in season right. three when, when Matt literally... Saracen's a senior. And, and there's just <laughs> there's no reason for Dungy to lose his starting spot, but at the same time, maybe Tommy DeVito, in this case J.D. McCoy, is actually the better option. That's what people were believing. So there's all that adversity. 
and he throws a dime over the top of the defense to Nikeem Johnson, I believe. It was like an 87-yard touchdown. Gets them off the right foot, and it was almost just like, take that, critics, because that's the type of competitor he is. And I know DeVito played a little bit in that game, and it's almost weird to look back on that moment because Dungy took that whole season by storm, and that will forever be remembered as the Eric Dungy season. But at one point, it was a legitimate thing that he should lose his job, and honestly, all the he pressure. He played one of the best games was, of his career that day. Yeah, with all that pressure, because not only was it a primetime game and it was NC State and trying to get to ranked uh, back inside the polls, but outside of that was just the pressure of Tommy DeVito right behind him. If he had a bad quarter there, that could have been maybe the last we'd seen of him for a while, and he had one of his best quarters, and that says a lot about his character, his determination, his everything as a competitor. Right, and yeah, and then that was the game, too, that made Syracuse Bowl eligible. So yeah, certainly, yeah, one of the best Dungy moments of his career. All right, that's going to do it for us today on Locked on Syracuse. For Tim Leonard, I'm Tyler Aki. Check out the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tomorrow, we will get into some stuff that I saw on The Athletic, what we want to see out of Syracuse for the remainder of the year. Matthew Gutierrez doing great work once again. We'll evaluate his points tomorrow. That's Unlocked on Syracuse. We'll talk soon.